Doctor Who. Wee-woo. What's that all about? I'm, I'm not into it. I, <laughs> I watched, What's that all about? I watched it a little bit as a kid. I don't know. It seems to have this massive resurgence now where everybody's into, uh, what are they called, a Whovian? This has taken, I know normal people that... <laughs> <laughs> Walking and breathing yeah, people. That's right. Just regular... Normal people, epic. And did you watch? So there was some. It's the fiftieth anniversary or something. Yeah, I'm going to get so much hate mail over this because <laughs> I know nothing about it, and everyone's like, "Right, hand in your geek card. Yeah. You're out." But it was the fiftieth anniversary the other day. And did you go to an event to watch the thing, or did you just chill and watch it on TV? Or what? Can we the, make just quickly? Yeah, can we make the description of this episode. JT asks. Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> we can. I didn't. I watched it at home on iView. Yep. The excellent iView. Oh, I love iView. Uh, oh, man, it's so good. More funding for our ABC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I was reading The Australian. Um, Doctor Who is just a, an endless wind farm for iview so they yep. put up so it was the 50th anniversary special oh wind farm I yeah think it said wind farm yeah that makes sense <laughs> I was like, what are the hell of windmills got to yeah. do with anything well wind farm to be fair is a real term and wind farm is yeah. not yes so i can understand so they put the 50th anniversary special up in real time oh that's so pretty it, cool it went up at six forty-seven a.m on a sunday or something yep which people inevitably got up to watch. I was mm. not one of them. Uh, and I'll talk about where I sit with Doctor Who and it's probably in the middle. Like I, I watch it, but I'm not obsessed with it. Yeah. And I watched everything. By the time the 50th episode came on a couple of Sundays ago, I was proper excited. Like all I could think about was Doctor Who. And I looked at all the cinema showings and I investigated all the things I could do. And there was a pop-up yep. shop in Richmond and I was like... I'll just watch it at home. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I appreciate things that happen outside, but it doesn't always translate into me getting. I had a friend who travelled around the country to go to the pop-up stores in each capital city. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a spectrum there and I'm at one end. Are you familiar with the basic, like the super basic Doctor Who thing? Time Lord... TARDIS, it's disguised as a police box because it got stuck in disguise at some point. Yep. Cruises around at one point, had a robot dog called K9. Shazam. Uh, he has a sonic screwdriver, which Nothing but hit so far. is a, an epic level tool for doing stuff. Uh, the yep. TARDIS is bigger on the inside than it looks on from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Baker wore a scarf. Sylvester McCoy, undisputed best doctor ever, Bam. which is quite controversial. I also think that George Lazenby was the best James Bond. He's got a limited number of lives. I think he's got nine lives or 11 lives or something. And so He's not a cat, man. The way <laughs> Time Lord, cat. He's got whatevs. Uh, 12 regenerations. 12 regenerations. And so the way that they've always explained the new actor stepping in is he's dead and that's one of his regenerations. I feel like, though, that we're past 12 For a dude something who, like that. Uh, has never watched the old Doctor Who. Oh, You've got the lingo down. I brought a little bit of geek to You've osmosis a lot of Doctor Who-ness. Yeah, I'm not. I don't live in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 50th anniversary. Everyone went batshit. Yep. Because the current Doctor Who is Matt Smith, mm. uh, who rules. And the previous Doctor Who was David Tennant, who ruled. 
So Where does Christopher Eccleston fit into it, other than in Thor? So Doctor Who was... <laughs> yeah. In Doctor Who, he was good because he had lines and uh, character yep, stuff and yep. he could do things. He wasn't just like, half mm. my face is black now. I don't know why I'm doing this. Doctor Who got cancelled back in the day. So it's it's 50th anniversary, but it was off the air for a long time. Yep. Then they did a TV movie in America where I've they tried to I've reboot it. Yeah. And that was just awful. Mm. And I think I watched that. That was the first Doctor Who I'd ever watched. And I went, not for me. Yeah, uh, but it was just not very good. A couple of years later, they so they've started sort of season one of new S- Doctor Who. So is the movie part of the canon, or have they just gone? So it's all canon, ignored. No, it's all yep. okay. wrapped up, which I admire. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris Eccleston, he was season one of new Doctor Who. Yep, he was Doctor Who. Okay, and he was like a new bad boy Doctor Who who had like had a t-shirt on with a leather jacket and stuff. And basically, there was this backstory that there had been this sort of incredible impossible to comprehend war between the Daleks and the Time Lords. Yep. Uh, when, I, when we were in primary school, there was an art display. This is one of my childhood memories that's, you know, you have those memories that are sort of disconnected from everything else. It's just a tiny little slice. I have this memory of going to this art show and someone had made a paper mache Dalek, life size. And I had seen some of the Doctor Who with the Daleks in it. And what's the guy who created the Daleks? Davros. Davros. Uh, I don't know if he created him or if he was their boss. Yeah, but... But he was King Dalek. Terrifying. Terrifying. I remember being terrified of this paper mache Dalek. Anyway. Bam. So the Daleks and the Time Lords have a war. They have a, a time war. Yep. And when they restart Doctor Who... Hang what? on. What's a time war? It's like a war with time. Okay, cool. Continue. It's legit. And Doctor Who basically won it, but the only way he could do it is by... Completely exterminating both the Daleks and the Time Lords. Oh. So he's the last Time Lord. The Daleks don't exist. And he's all messed up about it. So it's sort of a way to create a jumping on point and explain, yep. sort of explain why it's it's a new show mm. um, and why this Doctor is a different guy. You get the impression he's just recently regenerated after the Time War and it's all fresh and he's got a bit of PTSD and he's a bit grumpy and stuff. I'd be grumpy too if I had to kill... All of my entire race. Yeah, it would give you the shits. Time and space. My favorite thing about Doctor Who, it's one of my favorite examples of the way that limitations impact a story Mm. because of that regenerations thing. Like, it's such a great idea that was driven by your star getting too sick to be in the show. Yep. Um, Like, no one would ever have sat down and gone, let's make a show about an alien who regenerates 12 times. Why did they pick 12, though? That seems like you're setting yourself up. Because how many are we up to now? So apparently uh, we are at, like, Matt Smith is the last one. He was Dr. 12 because there was an episode where David Tennant gets his hand cut off or something and he uses a regeneration to heal himself or something. Right. There will be a story where they address the fact that he's on his last regeneration and by Time Lord rules, this should be it when he dies he won't come back. There's no way they're going to end it, though. No, and that's another thing. I love. Let me the tell you I- what they're going to do: is his hand is going to have regenerated an entire body. Yeah, and they're going to count that as. And they'll do like that. They can start it from scratch then, because the hand is yep. is the basis of it. The hand will do like a. I should be a writer. A time five. <laughs> time five, <laughs> which yep. reverberates back through history. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. I love <laughs> that. This whole character has been built from necessity. Like, that's so awesome. It's mm. such an awesome thing. I can see the story geek in you getting yeah. very excited about it. And that, that now we're on the other end. And because some guy was just like, oh, let's make it a dozen. 
I reckon. That seems legit, right? We'll never hit that number. Yeah, as if this is going to be on for, what, even 40 years. Yeah, 25 um, megabits will be enough for any Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting into the politics again. Protection visas. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, we just keep talking about aliens all the time on the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and that's the thing. We're now on the other end where because of that arbitrary decision, that story engine is again going, all right, what's a... What's the coolest way to get out of it? Because as you say, they could easily come out and go, oh, I'm on my last regeneration. I just better fill my TARDIS with fluvium and spin counterclockwise to the grouper dam and jump back through time and blam, I've got all my things back. You should be a writer. Doctor Who. Another thing about oh, Doctor God. Who. You can edit this one. You asked about it. <laughs> the bumper two-part episode was last week. <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll carve this whole Doctor Who thing off. It'll be fine. We'll, uh, like a severed Time Lord hand. <laughs> See, people, I am the funny one. Yeah. <laughs> you jerks. Didn't you also get feedback, though, that I was the gay one? I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's from a guy, with well, the same guy at work who thought that you were gay up until an episode where you started talking about Eileen. Yeah. Uh, is the same guy that I was telling you about who walked out of the lift the other day, didn't, didn't say hello, didn't anything, just had his headphones on, looked me straight in the eye, shook his head and went... Jawa Jedi's <laughs> and just walked off. <laughs> Hi, Nate. Look, as seen on Facebook, canon. Yep. Jawa Jedi's canon. Yep. And to say that they can't be Jedi's, racist. Discrimination. Yep. That's right. Exactly. You uh, Scott Morrison. <laughs> In honor of Scott Morrison, I will say nothing for the next four days. <laughs> Um, we should do an episode that's the Scott Morrison podcast yeah. and it's just 35 minutes of silence. Yeah, 35 minutes of silence and then at the end you asked me to confirm that that was silence and I refused to do so. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about, so for you Doctor Who, not a thing. Yeah, that's just, you know, it's like Lost or Firefly. Yeah. I just haven't got into it. I'm, I am going to watch Firefly because 14 episodes, 50 years of Doctor Who, not sure that's going to fit into the schedule. <laughs> Doctor Who I've only seen from the new stuff. Okay. I have one really vivid, I remember like a scene where Doctor Who, like old school Doctor Who, is at some kind of space terror circus Yeah, where it's like a circus of aliens who are clowns and I remember just freaking the hell out and it was the most scary thing I'd ever seen. It's a show that I, it's a rare show in that I sort of enjoy it and it's a geeky thing but I haven't been subsumed by it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and when you were talking about how do they explain how he goes back and visits his past self and stuff, because Doctor Who's kind of unabashedly uh, like time travel's just a thing and whatever the story needs is how time travel works this so week. So they don't have a strong rule system. Yeah, mm. and they have different bits. They're like, oh, that bit's important. That means it's time locked, which means we can't visit that or change it. But this story we will... Because story. I've seen people online do like the mega nerd and be like, yep, that's not the way that the time travel works in Doctor Who and they've ruined it and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I just enjoy having Doctor Who as a thing where I'm like, I'm invested enough that I enjoy it. But when they say, don't worry about it, time travel works like this. I'm like, cool, that's fine. But I can see that if The time nerd in you is okay with it. Yeah. But if I watched it a bit more seriously, I would be just punching all of the Stephen Moffats. Right. So I set today aside to catch up on all the sleep that I haven't gotten. Yeah. And then God was like, 40 degrees is good for day sleep. 
You love Isn't it. it? Go and, and I don't agree with him. sleep in the sun and catch on fire. <laughs> you like that? Like, it's a burning good sleep. No one says that. <laughs> That's not a thing. Yeah. Just one of the many ways that God's teachings are sort of out of date now. <laughs> <laughs> no one says burning good sleep anymore, man. Gay no. people are cool. Do you reckon that was the Moses thing? That he was just, I'll just hike up on this uh, mountain here and catch up on a few Zeds and God was like, Pfft. And then the bush caught on fire and <laughs> Moses was like, oh, wow, a burning bush. It yeah. must be God because he's delirious. That's a burning good sleep I had <laughs> somehow. And that's how the expression was invented. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to a uh, history podcast <laughs> <laughs> where we talk about the way that words happened. We should get picked up by the History Channel. What was the, the English teacher who was obsessed with etymology? Mr. Luther Burrow. Yeah. Who, strangely enough used to have the nickname Doctor Who because he was sort of an older gent with lots of bushy yeah. white hair and he wore vests and bow ties kind of and things like that. And we often suspected he was from another planet. Yeah. He used to have like a double period of English. And if as long as at the beginning you could go, oil, where's that word come from, you reckon? That Just was it. loudly no say it to another person. He'd be like, well, you'll be interested to learn that that's because of blah, 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 blah. And he just like fang on for ages. <laughs> it was great. Um, I'm doing that thing that you do where I go, uh, and then I edit it out later I on. I better fill all the space with uh, so editing's hard. <laughs> <laughs> you do remember that you're the one that's cutting this one up. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? I know somebody who I doubt listens to this, but shall remain nameless anyway, who went in to vote at the last Australian election and just drew a big dick and balls. <laughs> On the voting sheet. <laughs> and he could hear the person next to him crossing the boxes and he's just sound like... <laughs> oh, I did some hair That's as he put the pubes on. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever encountered just a dick and balls? <laughs> like someone draws a dick and balls. Oh, I drawn one. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. just walking along the street <laughs> and somebody hey. puts one in my face. Yeah. Hey, Mr. D. Um... <laughs> It's hilarious. I, it's just hilarious. I don't know. I've never. I, you you can't contain yourself any time at all. Is there a play? I've I I've drawn look very at it, few dick and balls. I quite often just look at it and go, it's so juvenile. And that it's amazing though. Mm. It's universally amazing. It's like like a fart in church. Everyone's <laughs> like, I don't agree with it in theory, but in practice, like. The human body laughs. <laughs> and it can't help it because it's a good thing. I did that thing at work the other day where you kind of, I kind of leant back on the chair and the chair made this squeaking noise that it sounded exactly like a fart. Yeah. And the girl sitting at the desk across from me was just going to look at me and I was like, it's a chair, it's a chair. <laughs> Which is what you would say whether it was a chair or a fart. Yeah, exactly. This chair farted, I mean, just, oh. I was like, you just breathe because it, there's no smell because I didn't fart and I was very embarrassed. That is... Uh, <laughs> I like the way you dug yourself out. I was like, I promise I didn't fart. Come over here and breathe deeply near my ass region. If we this isn't even an issue. If we pull a blanket over our heads right now, that'll be all the proof that you yeah, need. It's just a regular oven. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day and the thought struck me that what if we get to the point... Like a dick and balls yeah, in the face. Imagine the day, like imagine we have the press conference where someone gets up and goes, nailed it. <laughs> like society fixed. Yep. Like... Everyone's equal, all human rights abuses fixed, poverty, Utopia. fuck that, that's yep. so 2013, like everyone's 
eating things and living in houses and everything's cool. Society, we fixed it. There's mm-hmm. no inequality. Everyone's nice to each other. Everyone high fives. The only problem we have is icing down wrists from like too many high fives of people going like, yeah. And then the next day, someone turns the corner, sees a dick and balls and is like, oh, it's not funny anymore because everyone's too enlightened. What, what was the point of that? <laughs> I worry that if we ever get to a, a state of being high enough, yeah, that we won't everyone find dick can, and balls funny yeah, anymore. Yeah, that we'll be too enlightened to find dick and balls funny, and that we will have lost something you about have got ourselves. Issues, my friends. <laughs> do you want to just do it? Wait, wait. All Here right. we go. Here we go. Gonna Ladies and gentlemen, it. repeat performance. Gonna nail it. Wow, 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 wow. I done that. What's that? That's the little bit at the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, that was good. So, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've finished season four. We've come together right now. Sorry. We've been meaning to talk about Breaking Bad season four for three weeks, I think. Bam. And we've been doing that awesome thing where we pull out our list of things that we're going to talk about tonight and then someone mentions a gravy beef roll and yeah. we're off in another direction. Don't show a peek behind the curtain, man. <laughs> I'm really, I've just ruined the magic for People everybody like, The script writing on that podcast is next level <laughs> So I insisted that we talk about Breaking Bad Season 4 Because I haven't watched Season 5 <laughs> And I've been hanging on because I just want to get all the Season 4 stuff out of my brain Yep. What I really liked when we did the first time I talked about this mm-hmm. Is I made all these predictions which were then just outrageously wrong Yep. And I enjoyed editing <laughs> back and listening to myself Because I was editing where I talked about season one while I was watching season three. Yeah. And just listening to myself going, this guy's got no idea. Walter White could have been an alien man. Who, you have no who idea. Who would give this chump a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> he would. Yeah. And I can do that because we, we have the technology and the internet. Not an MBN though, just to get back onto <laughs> politics. Zing. Thanks for nothing. Turnbull. <laughs> Clown. <laughs> so season four. Bam. I dig it. I like it. I actually think it's the best season I've seen so far. Yeah. It opens with, I think the first episode is a bit where Jesse and his mates are stoned and they're comparing the the different zombies in video games. Mm-hmm. And I just watched that scene and went, that is something that Stefan and I would probably do as a podcast episode without being high. <laughs> so it got me to thinking about a lot of our, a lot of the stuff that I find funny is stoner humour. Never been stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe I'm just perpetually stoned. That would kind of explain a lot, actually. Were you ever bitten by a radioactive marijuana? I could have been. I don't know. Because that could explain it. Can you shoot bongs out of your hands? (laughs) How good would that be? (laughs) Be every stoner's best friend. What's your superpower? Oh, I shoot bongs out of my hands. (laughs) You want to come over for a party, man? Not because we like you. Just because, you know, we want to get high. Bring your hands. It's like when you're uh, the photographer for a newspaper and people are like, hey, will you just come to my uh, event? You're like, yeah, no worries. And then you rock up like, did you bring your camera? Oh, you didn't. Oh, well, you can have a beer if you want. <laughs> I, uh, I was helping Eileen carry dress forms from uni today. What are dress which forms? Which are like those mannequins which look oh, like which torsos. You can, and you can adjust the size of them and yeah. make the hips bigger or the waist bigger or the bust bigger and whatnot so you can fit the dress properly. Indeed. God, I should have done textiles at uni. You should have. I know all about it. I know more about dress forms than I know about Doctor Who. <laughs> So I'm carrying these dress forms, which effectively look like murder torsos on sticks. (laughs) (laughs) 
carry one in each hand, sort of pointing them out. And where there should be a head, there's like a wooden ball. And it really felt like I had two bazookas that were shaped like women. And I was walking around the campus pretending to shoot people <laughs> with my lady bazookas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and while... Like, I don't think it's politically correct to call them lady bazookas. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is not a story that makes me sound great. One of them like fell apart because I was violently shooting it everywhere. It was not good. <laughs> but it got me thinking... You, like I wanted to ask. Perhaps you should have done the thinking before. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something I'm ever interested in hearing. Do you think it would be cool if there was a supervillain called misogyny and his power, <laughs> his superpower was to actually make women into objects? That's actually kind of a cool idea. So he like touches a woman and goes, bazooka! And she turns into a bazooka. And, and he's like, can- oh, women are just objects for my use. And people are like, That's not cool, misogyny. And then they punch him in the face. And everyone feels better. And we could recycle the storyline from Phantom Menace where his, <laughs> he secret, goes into parliament. <laughs> his secret identity is some sort of parliamentary official who goes by, let's just pull two random names and add them together. Let's go with Abbott and Tony. <laughs> Tony so we'll call him Tony Abbott is yeah. his alter ego. And he takes control of an entire country mm-hmm. through political... <laughs> is this, am I helping? It's writing itself, really. <laughs> I was thinking he could... You know, he could have a good uh, line of work making these dress form things. But then, yeah, also be like, oh, I need to steal that diamond from the bank. And he just like kidnaps a woman and is like, grappling hook. And she turns into one. Does he turn him back afterwards or does he just leave her as a grappling hook? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm still workshopping it. Because Spider-Man's webbing, you know how it dissolves after an hour? Unless it's Dr. Octopus Spider-Man. Maybe his women objects turn back into women in an hour, which makes it harder to fight him because you're like, oh, I don't want to smash his bazooka because it's just some lady on the way home on the tram. And you wouldn't know if it was a real bazooka or if it was a lady bazooka. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty powerful stuff. I'm just trying to write social ills through art. But you don't want us to get too enlightened with the social ills because then dick and balls yeah, won't be funny then anymore. Then it'll be like, no joy. Bring bad. Uh, Gus is pretty cool. He's kind of the best character there is. He, he is. I got, I got a bit worried. I listened to the last episode where I talked about Breaking Bad and realised that I did sound a bit wanky and a little <laughs> bit, and maybe a little bit like I was trying to over-intellectualise the thing. But yep. I just think it's such a well-put-together well thought out story with these characters that have got all these different layers and I can't help but... It lends itself to that really well. You, you can't help but immerse yourself into, into it. And there's a bit at the beginning when he goes to see Gus, you know, I've talked about the duality of Walter White versus Heisenberg and he goes to see Gus and he puts the hat on and you, again, <laughs> Brian Cranston does this fantastic job of just turning into mm. another person. I can't help but be excited about it. I, <laughs> I get, I just, Which is good news, man. Yeah, it's a wonderful show. Yeah, it is. If it didn't have those layers, it just wouldn't uh, dig its way into your consciousness so much, yeah. I think. I found season four, I think, a lot better at doing the serious, serious stuff. And the funny stuff was just, it, it's getting a little bit more absurd. Mm-hmm. The bit where Marie's teaching him to play cards and actually helping <laughs> him to create a card counting system so that they can carry off the story of, oh, Walt got his money from gambling. It's just, it's just <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. But it worked. they pull it off really well. They carry it together. And then you have the other absurd scene is when you see Gail's karaoke video. Oh. <laughs> and it hurts so bad. It does. And I, I think I may know people that, yeah. <laughs> that, that possibly do that. The tension, again, is... I think they've just, season four, I'm 
I'm so enamoured with because I think they've just taken everything to 11. I, I really enjoy the tension of when you think that Walt's going to get caught. Yeah. And there's the bit where um, Hank gets the case file that the guy brings around while Hank's laid up in bed and it's got Gail's like diary yep. that he's been keeping <laughs> and it's got two WW and Hank goes, huh, WW, Walter White. Yeah. And you just sort of go, oh, <gasps> my God. <laughs> And then Walt goes, oh, it's Walt Whitman. The way they just build up to that tension where it gets so tight, you know, he's gone for sure. And then they just go, and it diffuses oh, in a puff it's of such nightcrawler a... teleportation smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so brimstony. Exquisite pain watching Breaking Bad. And Walt just brings it on himself. Like, I think earlier on, Hank's doing something else, and Walt's like, oh, you got me. You know, like, yes. whacka, 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 yeah. whacka. <laughs> And you just can't help but be like, How yeah. do you blatantly oh. go to a police officer and say, yep, yeah, it's me? And they just go, ha, <laughs> ha, <Gaffor>. Yeah. <laughs> Hank's like, oh, I think I'll give it a miss. And he's like, oh, but you should still look into it because, I mean, whoever did it is great. Wouldn't you well, agree? That was, that was the other thing is five or six years ago, I read Scar Tissue, which is the Anthony Kiedis autobiography from mm-hmm. the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Notorious meth dealer. No, he didn't do meth. He mostly did heroin. I, I'm not a huge fan of autobiographies, mm-hmm. but Scar Tissue is just such a fantastic story of this guy who goes from zero to ten, back to zero, back to ten, and this undulating kind of life. And towards the end of it, there's a bit where he gets clean from the drugs, mm-hmm. and he, he spends the last part of the chapter talking about how clean he is. And I'm reading this book going, oh, this is so good. I'm so glad that he's... Got his life sorted out. And the last sentence of that chapter is, and then I shot up again. And I just went, oh, no. And this does a little bit of that. They're in the clear and everything's good. And then Walt has a few drinks and just goes, nah, look, I don't reckon you've caught the guy. I reckon he's still out there. And his ego just sort of gets in the way of... He kind of wants recognition for everything that he's done. Like it's almost, it's not enough anymore. He's proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do recall is something that I said in an earlier episode. One of my predictions that has kind of panned out is I thought that he would get hooked on the idea of continuing mm. to do it. And he, he actually enjoys it. And it's no longer about I need to make some money for my family. He actually gets a bit of a buzz out of going to work. Yeah, there's that powerful bit where his hair starts to grow back and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to shave it off again because I like where I'm at, which is a few, I think season three or somewhere. Yes. Where his cancer yeah. first goes into remission. It's one of those jumping off points. It's like, mm. you don't need to be doing this anymore and, and shaving the head is just symbolic. That sort of season four is certainly one where it's, it's much more of an ensemble cast. You find out the history of how Gus got into the business and what Gus's motivation is. Uh, you find out a little bit more about Mike. You you start to bring everybody back in. Skylar plays a bigger part, which yeah. One of the characters that I dig is Mike, and you see a lot more of. Oh, Mike rules! I like Mike, and I think I was saying to you the other day that I really enjoy that Mike just seems so ticked off. He's a consummate professional, and Walt's very much making this sort of stuff up as he goes along because he's never done it before. And he he has that tone when he rings up Walt, and he's like, Walter, yeah, <laughs> you can't be doing that. Yeah, go back to your house, Walter. And it's just <laughs> and to him, it's so obvious. Yeah, and given that Walt's like, this is the best idea ever. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many people in the show who are like, well, no offense, dude, I don't want to get involved with you because you're too dangerous and stupid. You yeah. and Jesse are just you small fries, and we don't want to take the risk. And they're like, no, come on, man, give us a try. And they just ruin them. Mm. Because it's always true. They're yeah. just like, they're well, that, not cut out for this game. 
it's been a few weeks since I watched it, but I think this is the season where Walt goes into the bar and tries to convince Mike to join forces with him against Gus. Yeah. And Mike just goes, are you finished? And he goes, yep. And he goes, bang, beats the shit out of him. Mm. Well, because Walt is like, he's built this weird empire of hubris and lies. Yeah. He just believes that whatever, if he wants something bad enough, it'll, it'll happen. And he mm. has some big successes early on in terms of just through pure force of will. Yeah. Just and that going, pumps him up. Yeah. And then so, of course, he feels like he can sit down with Mike and go, well, it makes sense to me. And it fits with my worldview, so we should do this. And then yeah. Mike pops him one, and it just destroys him. <laughs> Aaron Paul really mm. lifts in this, speaking of things going to 11. He is so incredible mm. in this. And I haven't seen – have you seen him in many other things? I don't think I've seen him in anything. The only other thing that I've seen Aaron Paul in, and it took me a little while – it's taken me four seasons to realise this, yeah. is the website Funny or Die. So they did a, a fake sort of pseudo-documentary about Weird Al Yankovic called Weird, <laughs> the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> and Aaron Paul actually plays a young Weird Al Yankovic in oh, really? that. And I can't even remember how that popped into my mind. And he's sensational in this fourth season. Oh, he's he's so, so diverse and brings so much to Jesse and... You've got the sort of depressed sort of down part where he's still down about the girlfriend dying and becomes a bit disillusioned and he's struggling with his relationship with Walt and then Mike kind of takes him under his wing mm. because Gus sees something in him and he sort of becomes the main man and there's the episode where they take him down to Mexico yeah, and he has to show the other people in Mexico how to cook the, the meth to the recipe mm -hmm. and he just completely owns the – there's the scientist guy going, who is this guy? You know, he's not a scientist. He's not a chemist. He's a jerk. Rah, 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 rah. And you're under the illusion that they don't speak English and then the guy speaks English and Jesse just gets up in his face. <laughs> it's just like – I'm the guy who has to come here and show you how to do your job because you're fucking shit at it. <laughs> so shut the hell up and clean up the lab. It's um, a bit of a watershed moment for him sort of getting his mojo back together. Yeah, and you, you sort of – you ride that roller coaster with him where he's, he's sort of – towards the end of it, he's, he's picking back up and – well, there's so many big, long, silent scenes of, that are just conveyed solely by his acting in terms of yeah. like you just feel shit ass for the guy. I'll tell you what I don't like. I'll tell you what I object to, and I think you're going to get on board with this, yep. is I object to fried chicken being the scapegoat <laughs> in this TV series. <laughs> I'm just not happy about that because I love a bit of fried chicken. Yeah, and I don't like to see it, uh, you know, muddied up in no. anything. I think fried, we could all agree that it's a positive force in society. Exactly. And I wouldn't want people to walk away with a bad, like... A bad impression of, of it, yeah. No, that's no good. No, um, it's delicious. The other badass bit that just popped into my head then while we were uh, – sort of half of my brain was salivating over fried chicken. The yeah. other half was trying to figure out what I was going to say next. But when they buy the car wash for the money embezzling mm. and they go in and get it off the guy that used to be Walt's boss and he's a oh, prick, man. he tries to take his framed first dollar that he ever earned off the wall yeah. and Walt goes, no, no. We bought everything. <laughs> and you go, oh, that is just cruel and heartless and nothing could top that. And the guy leaves and Walt smashes it open and feeds it into the Coke machine and uses <laughs> the guy's first dollar to buy a can of Coke. Getting back to Gus, which we were talking about before, mm. I don't know. I'm, I think maybe I'm attracted to the sort of manic people in TV shows. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like Megatron so much. <laughs> and Gus is so calm and controlled and yet still obviously a psycho bastard. Oh, yeah. He slits the dude's throat with the box cutter for 
not really any reason. Just to prove a point. I yeah, think. and then just calmly gets dressed and leaves. And then you see the scenes where he goes to visit Hector in the retirement home mm. and he's so sadistic in the way that he sort of tortures and he leans right in and whispers in his ear about how I'm going to mess your family up. You get that flashback scene where you find out why he hates Hector so much. Even still... He's enacting revenge over like a 25-year period. Yeah, it's upstairs his Achilles heel. Like he's one sort of hate reservoir that can be accessed, you know. Yeah. Everything else is so buttoned down and there's the scenes where he just sort of almost supernaturally is aware that something's up. Well, there's a scene where Walt goes to his house. There's nothing. There's no security cameras or anything and Walt's about 100 metres away and his phone rings and it's just Gus who says, go home, Walter. Yeah. When I think of that character, I think of him like levitating about three inches off the ground. Yeah. Like he's just got yeah. this, this presence of... For someone who's a bit of a psycho loon, he's always got the very well thought out... He's kind of a plan. bit IRL Batman. He is really. a little bit. I don't know, like if instead of his parents being killed, his parents' drug empire was killed... By Joe Chill, <laughs> and he spent his life trying to make a better drug empire to prove that it should live on. Yeah, he would be Gus. When we do the inevitable Batman reboot in ten years, mm-hmm. Brian Cranston as the Joker for the scene <laughs> where he goes into uh, under the house where he's storing the oh, money, that's some terrifying and the money's stuff, not there because Skyler's given it to Captain Jackass, yep. who's gone and bought himself a car and uh, just never doesn't give so a shit. Angry. As yes. when that guy's just like, yes. lol, no idea what I'm dealing with. Lol, 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 lol. What could I do? And Skylar's just like, I could just pay the IRS. And he's like, car. And Walt just loses his shit yeah. and does this crazy laugh. And I was watching it going, that's the Joker. That's, that's the next Joker. <laughs> it's so unsettling. How good is it when Walt gets that when he has to take the car back? That he's bought for Walt Jr. What an ungrateful little prick when he actually finally does get a car that's not going to be too uh, ostentatious to yep. draw attention. And he's like, oh, thanks, Mum. It's great. But it's uh, another example of like Walt is just such a dick because yeah. Skylar's <laughs> like, I'm trying to parent this kid. Yeah. She's like, uh, A, it's just one of those universal parenting lessons that your first car's a bit shitty and that yeah. is character building. Yep. Um, and B, you're a drug dealer <laughs> and it's not a good idea to buy an enormous car with jet engines. And Walt's like, I hear what you're saying, but my son's going to high five me. So shut the fuck up. And the whole internet's like, stop being a downer, Scott. <laughs> and then he has to take the car back and he's like, well, I could take it back. Or, and he just goes and does all that epic circle work yeah. in the empty car park and then crashes into a ditch and he's like, oh, fuck it. And just sets it on fire. <laughs> All right, two questions. Yep. A, Walt, where's he at in your brain? Last oh, time I, I was know. asking you, good if guy, I thought bad he was a good guy. guy or bad guy. I, I think he's a good guy. Yep. I think, what did I say? I don't even know what I said last time. You said okay. something like this. I think he's good, <laughs> but also I left the iron on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I would lean towards good guy, yep. right? And he goes and he, he makes the deal with Hector to blow Gus up and mm-hmm. getting back to Batman again. Turns yep. Gus into Gus Two-Face. I'd kind of lean towards Walt because I think most of the stuff he does for survival. Mm-hmm. And then the end of season four, spoilers, when the, the kid, he's been poisoned and they're trying to find a cure and yep. it's not ricin. And they go, oh, it's this plant. And oh, wow. And Walt goes, oh, my God, who would have thought of that? Yep. And then the what closing scene of season four pans in next to Walt's swimming pool and he's grown the plant in his backyard. And you're mm-hmm. like, you poisoned a little kid. Yep. You, and you can tell I'm getting excited because the pitch of my voice is going <laughs> up. You just sort of go, you poisoned a kid. You are the world's biggest piece of shit <laughs> because you've tried to upset, get Jesse back on side by complaining about how Gus killed a kid and Gus is a monster. Yep. 
and you've become that. And I'm hoping that I'm going to have some sort of resolution about how I feel about Walt. Yep. You've kept an awesomely straight face just then, so, so I don't know man. if it's going to go either way. <laughs> I'm putting a lot of mental energy into face. But I need to see that. I'm like RuPaul. <laughs> I'm going to be really annoyed if we do the season five episode and you go to me, so how do you feel about Walt? And my answer is still, well, I'm not really sure if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Six or one, half a dozen of the other. The thing that always weighs on my... Like, and maybe it's just the nature of these kind of shows and stuff. Like, the killing of human beings. Mm. I'm like, no, oh, okay, he's never killed a dog. So, that you can't judge someone <laughs> based on if he's killed someone. But it's that the way that he just... And especially with the Lily of the Valley thing at the end. Like, that way that he's... Uh, that he just happily sort of, like, yokes Jesse from Pil- Pillar to Post. And who else has got the stones to do a show where they're like, you should really hate our main character oh, <laughs> but what do you reckon <laughs> what's your second question predictions our predictions what do you want I'm not sure where they go from here because Gus owns the drug lab and Gus is dead so mm-hmm. are they going to keep making meth in the lab are they still going to be partners I think there's just there's so much that's open ended I think season four actually forms a really good ending I strongly agree that you the, could just finish now. The cliffhanger there, you almost don't need to resolve that. and You can kind of spool out the rest of the story in your brain pretty satisfactorily from... Yeah, so I have given a lot of thought, but I just really don't know what's in store. If I had to pick anything, I think season five is going to involve Hank a bit more or, or Walt getting closer to getting caught. I, I don't know if he's going to get caught or not. Mm-hmm. I, I really have no preconception about what the, the resolution to the whole show is going to be, which... I'm kind of happy with yeah. because it means I can watch it with and not – we've talked about this before, this idea of when you pre-build something in your mind and then you watch it and go, that's not the ending I wanted. Yeah. Um, I don't have that. So I'm going into this still as fresh as I was when I came into oh, season so jelly, one ma'am. so many weeks ago. I, I think just leave it there and I'll tell you all about what I think of the fifth season after Christmas. Shazam. I think before we go though, we should maybe record a very quick – Christmas message because this is this episode will come out on Christmas Eve. It's our special Santa gift to everybody. Bam. Uh, we do have a New Year's Eve episode that will also come out because we just don't take a break because, as we mentioned, so professional. So commitment. Professional outfit. <laughs> we love the fans. Um, Such work. But I do personally want to wish, whether you're into the whole Christmas thing or whether you're just getting a holiday at the end of December, I want to thank everybody for listening to us through 2013. 2014 is going to be huge huge for us we've got some crazy shit in mind and uh i'm really really excited about it especially since probably all i'm going to be able to do after eating all the food and drinking all the booze that i'm going to do over christmas pretty much the only thing i'll be capable of of in 2014 is sitting in this chair (laughs) (laughs) with a microphone in one hand and a beer bottle in the other just going yeah solo." Would you like to add any sentimentality to what I've just said? Go Christmas. Keep listening. It's the best. I'm very excited to start a year with a podcast. That's never happened. It's tops. I mean, it's no Katy Perry VMA Awards performance, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised to hear that. What?